Recorded live. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Golden Goal Podcast. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, we're, we're, we're very big uh, soccer fans on the show, of course. We're also big college football fans. But it seems like now that we have fully transitioned out of college football, that Atlanta is ready to focus on soccer. We've got our, our first signing. Uh, we, we've attended the, the MLS draft. Things are starting to really come together. Season ticket prices will be announced next month. Drew? How are you feeling? Are, are you feeling the momentum? I am. I am. I'm, I'm not in the city at the moment, um, so I'm a little detached from it, but just, you know, this news keeps on rolling in. We keep progressing to the uh, kickoff in 2017. Getting pretty excited about that. Um, getting our first player, our first building block, Greek-American, and, and we went the route of, of a keeper. So um, I like that. I like that. I assume we'll, we'll probably be touching on the MLS draft today. Uh, with our guests, and I think we may go in a different direction. Yes, we will be joined uh, today by the AJC's Doug Robertson, who has uh, been covering everything soccer-related in the city for a while now, in addition to uh, Georgia State, Kennesaw State, and Georgia Tech. So very uh, well-versed in the Atlanta sports scene and with soccer. We're excited to uh, bring him on in in just a minute. But, uh, Drew, I just wanted to to really check in and and get get a feel for how you uh, how you're assessing the, the Premier League again now uh, now that Liverpool has lost to a bottom half team? Uh, well, we didn't lose to a bottom half team. We beat Norwich by four. Um, <laughs> probably one of the most exciting games you'll ever see. Um, oh, right, right, right. Like, like I was like actually I tra- getting confused with Chelsea Arsenal. I thought that uh, oh, Chelsea had oh, beaten no. Liverpool. That's completely my fault. I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I wish we were in Arsenal position. But, no, uh, Liverpool is a wonderful comeback. I mean, like I tweeted out, uh, poor defending makes for fun football. And um, <laughs> that, that sure was the case in the 5-4 game. It really was a fantastic game. Let's just not talk about earlier in the week um, losing to – or, excuse me, or last week losing to United um, 1-0. I mean, what a terrible game that was to watch. I mean, especially if you were a United fan up to the 80th minute. I mean, they were pretty awful but still got the result. But – Premier League, um, Arsenal continuing to Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea finding some form, I guess. Uh, you know, 10-man Arsenal actually played fairly well, I thought. Uh, Leicester hanging in there. Spurs looked pretty good as well. Uh, City gets a draw. You know, the, the dream continues for uh, the Foxes. Hopefully Leicester can hold on to it. Uh, looks like they got a bit of magic this year. So uh, top four seems not in hand, but, um, you know, at least, attainable and who knows you never know if, if arsenal is your contender for the title on this you got to throw city in there but arsenal could could easily uh fumble fumble the uh championship as we've seen it it, it kind of to me feels a little bit like we're you know if if, if if any of those teams arsenal city or leicester makes a run in the next few weeks so they might have it locked up and i'm wondering who you think might if you're looking, and, and you know what, I'll throw Spurs in there too because you, you're right, they have been playing well. I think there's a there's a team capable of making a run and they could steal it. doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of cohesion and energy in the Premier League right now, well, except for this 5-4 game. But um, no. who do you who would you pick on at this point to, to make a run? Who looks like they're most poised to make a run? I mean, I, I think you hit on it. I think Spurs are poised to make a run with Pochettino uh, leading them. Uh, they're a bit young. I don't know how they'll do down the stretch, but 
I mean, like I said, Arsenal, you never know what you're going to get from them, or you kind of do, and it's usually not great when when the um, when you need to be stand up and counted. So uh, I would actually not mind see if, if Leicester don't do it, I'd like to see Arsenal do it, um, just because I know the pain their fans have been through, and I hope that everybody was feeling that way a couple years ago when Liverpool were, were so close to the doorstep, although I know uh, United fans probably didn't feel that way. But, um, you know, I think Spurs – uh, could make a run. They they're playing probably better than anybody else at the moment. Um, would love to see Leicester continue it, continue their form. Obviously, they're the um, they're the favorite in all the neutrals' hearts at the moment. So, would would prefer to see Leicester, but uh, I think Spurs could could come uh, for a run right here. All right. Well, just one uh, quick one final question before we uh, we close out and head focus back uh, our attention back on Atlanta, and uh, that's. The January transfer deadline, usually filled with a lot of hype, seems to have been uh, fairly mellow this January. Uh, do you see mm. any big moves coming uh, at the end of this week? Um, as, as far as the Premier League? Yeah, or, or, or in general. Uh, really, um, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can only speak to Liverpool. I know Alex Teixeira, uh, the, the guy from, um, God, I think, Darn it. I forgot. Uh, Shakhtar is where he's from. I think they, that there's a link there. Um, he would be a huge addition to put up top with Firmino and Coutinho and have a third Brazilian. Um, and, you know, maybe make – and Lucas as well, I guess. But he doesn't really play like a Brazilian. Uh, but, you know, just to have that <laughs> that cohesion up top and, you know, maybe a home for, for the Brazilians. I'd love to see that. Um, and so – I don't know of any big moves. I know that would be a really big big move. I think they're gonna they're asking somewhere in the range of thirty million um, euros. So that would be a substantial move. Liverpool seem to have the money. Um, Klopp has yet to buy anyone. I know Calker has come come in on loan, but you know I wouldn't be shocked if I saw some some people in the Premier League Premier League come in on loan. I haven't. I don't know this. I'm, I apologize. Leicester would probably do well just to get some reinforcements, not to put anybody in the first team. But maybe have some backup, have some cover, um, and, and get some people in loan. I, I would think they would go to do that. And I apologize, apologize if they already have. All right. Well, we will uh, take a quick break on that note, and uh, we'll be back with EAJC's Doug Robertson. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we're joined now by uh, AJC's Doug Robertson. Doug, how uh, how are you feeling on this gray Tuesday? I'm fine. Uh, a couple of points about y'all's first section. First, you'll never walk alone. Liverpool is going to come back under Jurgen Klopp. Two, uh, if Leicester were to win the Premier League, I think it would be the story of the year of world sports, uh, after toppling all the, the big names with all the money they spent. And three, Leicester is trying to add a couple of guys uh, I saw the other day to uh, bolster uh, Vardy up top, provide him some Good. cover. So there you go. Good. Yeah, well, thank you for the, uh, the personal <laughs> insight there. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Leicester winning would would 100% be the the story of the year, and just them uh, making the top four. I mean, them playing in the Champions League next year might might still make sports story of the year. Well, yeah. hold on. Let's, while we have our guest here, let me ask him this: because you and I have yet to really come up with a good uh, comparison. Doug, what do you think? You know, if we were trying to explain this to our friends, um, American friends who don't watch much soccer. What would Leicester winning the title be like? I mean, is it Butler winning the national championship of college basketball or even work? You know, I'm trying to come up with some comparison to where they could comprehend how how much of a long shot they truly are besides giving them, giving them the odds. You know? 
Uh, it would be like uh, Georgia State winning the national championship in basketball, I think. Yeah. Um, it would be like, what is the worst baseball team out there? Uh, the Braves? <laughs> yeah. It would be like the Braves winning the World Series this season. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, just a team that doesn't have a lot of money, uh, has a little bit of history, but not one that most people outside of England would probably know. Um, just, you know, out outplaying without having to outspend some of the giants in club soccer. It would just be amazing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's truly been amazing. And, you know, I, I think we're all secondary Leicester fans at this point because it's just so much fun to watch them play. Um, it's painful, though, because either Leicester or Tottenham have to drop out of the top four for Liverpool to make it in. And right yeah, now, I, neither one of those teams will lose. Uh, And I don't think Arsenal or Manchester City are going to lose. So it's fun, but both a little uh, painful if if you're a supporter of Liverpool. Yep. Very true. Very true. Well, that's kind of always true, at least for the last 10 years. (laughs) That's a good point. Good point. Um, You'll uh, you'll notice he likes to jab. He likes to jab at at Liverpool every once in a while. He's a Leeds fan. Right, right. So I, I have nothing else. To do. I mean, if you want to flip the script on me and talk about leads, I have no comeback. I have nothing to say. <laughs> so I really just take little opportunities when I can, you know. Um, but let's uh, focus back here on Atlanta. We have the uh, the very first signing, and um, before we went live, everyone was taking a shot at how to pronounce his last name. And actually, it's not. It shouldn't be too complicated, but uh, it's Alexander Kambakis. Um, something like that. We're going to refer to him as Alex so far. He's a uh, goalkeeper, comes over from the uh, Greek League, and he's going to be playing with the uh, the new Atlanta United affiliate, the Charleston Battery, in uh, 2016. Doug, can you tell us anything about this signing? Um, was it a surprise uh, or, or, or um, any any other information about uh, about Alex? Yeah, well, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, the club president, Darren Eels, said he didn't think they were probably going to sign any players until the spring or the summer, uh, but he also cautioned that if a player came across their radar and they could meet all the terms and get it lined up, they would go ahead and sign someone. Um, so yesterday when this came out, it was a bit of a surprise. I'm a little stunned that it's a goalie from Greece who hasn't gotten to play a lot, um, but goalies tend to mature later and have longer careers than field players. So a 23-year-old goalie from a league in Greece, he's got good size, he commands the box well. He could turn out to be a relative bargain uh, in Major League Soccer for Atlanta United. And uh, it, I, I, did you, um, you know, with the signing of a goalkeeper, is that, uh, I mean, it still offers, you know, no indication of how they plan to build the team. Is there really um, any signs that you're getting about, other possible signings or sort of what direction they're looking to build the team, more attacking-minded or more defensive-minded? Well, as a general rule, uh, Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra, the team's technical director, have said they want to be strong up the spine, Uh, goalkeepers, central defenders, uh, central midfielders. So I assume that when they start to do the DPs and the allocated uh, money for players, those are the positions that they're going to try to target. The rest of the positions, the outside backs, the outside mids, uh, will likely be some of the guys that they'll get just through general signings, uh, either through the dispersal draft or uh, through the regular, the super draft. Um, 
So that's kind of what I think they're going to do right now, but because they've still got 27 more spots to fill, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint what's going to happen next. Right. Um, well, did you have any other questions, uh, Drew, about the first signing? Uh, or can we move on to the <laughs> No. No, I don't, but I would love to, uh, Alex, if you're listening, um, I'll meet you at the front of Plaka, and uh, first drink's on me, buddy. Um, we can we can go out and have some Greek, uh, some Atlanta Greek dining right there. It'd be a good time to get to know you, our first ever MLS signing here in Atlanta. Um, Doug, let me ask you this. I, I You know, we started out with a goalie, uh, or, or keeper, excuse me, um, <clears throat> first signing. It looks like, and I, I believe you were at the Super Draft, is that correct? And the, the one Yes, I was there. Uh-huh. And I, I think one, maybe one or two forwards drafted. I know next year it looks like it's going to be pretty stockpiled with forwards. I could see Atlanta going in that direction. Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, well, I think anything's a possibility uh, at this point. Yeah. Um, there were two forwards and only two goalkeepers taken in the uh, first and second rounds of the draft in Baltimore last week, if I remember right. Uh, it was dominated by defenders and midfielders, which you'd expect because they occupy numerically most of the positions on the field. Um, I think Atlanta United, well, I know Atlanta United, uh, Darren Eels said that they're going to go with best available player. They're not above trading that pick if they think they can get value in return. Uh, they will pick either first or second. It'll come down uh, to them or Minnesota, and there's a lot of kind of combinations and permutations that will determine who gets that first pick. Um, so that's what I know about what Atlanta United may do with their first or second pick next year. Well, let me ask you this. You said everything's open. Uh, what does – and I, to be honest with you, I don't follow the uh, Super Draft too much. I know I will in the next few years. If they did trade the number one overall pick, what does what kind of value does that command? Do they do it for money? Do they do it for uh, veteran players? How does that usually work? That's a really good question. I think it's a little mix. Uh, a lot of the trades that were happening at this most recent draft, and there were a ton, it was, it was a variety that were uh, trading – previously drafted players that they just picked up. Uh, Harrison, for example, number one, traded uh, to, um, uh, where was it, to NYCFC uh, from Philadelphia, I think it was. Um, some of it was for picks, uh, allocation picks. Some of it was, I think, for international slots. Uh, so there was a, a huge disparity in what you could get. Um, so there's really no telling what Atlanta United may hold out for if another team has someone in mind they want to take one or two. Right. Oh, are we, James, um, forward. Uh, are we so the Atlanta there's the um the super draft and then there's an international draft and then there's rumors about whether there will be an expansion draft next year. Are there any updates uh on that so far? No, I don't have any updates. Um in December Eels said that they are planning as if there will be one. Um and so that's that's all I really have about that as of now. So it's, I mean, I don't know any other league that has so many drafts, but it seems uh, almost as if you know, the, uh, certainly Atlanta will start signing players and they'll be looking into designated players. But will a big chunk of their roster come basically next winter with all of these drafts? Uh, I don't think so. I think the majority of their roster is going to come uh, during the summer and then it'll be padded out with the dispersal <laughs> draft and uh, the super draft. Um, you don't usually get a lot of players that are going to get time in the dispersal draft. The super draft, if you look back at the at the past few years, you'll hit upon a couple of players that will get a lot of time and you know can be impactful on the roster. But a lot of the guys, 
haven't quite worked out just yet. Um, but that will improve as the quality of soccer improves in the country. Right. And I'm wondering, um, with the academy uh, system that's going to be set up, um, those the players who come up through an academy, they don't usually go into a draft. They're usually just signed by their player, their their owner team, right? Yeah, they get tagged as homegrown players. Right, right. And so then that's like uh, Jordan Morris, for example. That's why he wasn't selected in the draft because Seattle had already tabbed him as a homegrown player. So kind of, I mean, um, the draft, unlike, say, the NBA or the NFL, the draft is very much a secondary or even just more of a development type of um, option rather than, like, how you're actually going to formulate your team. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I don't think you'll find nearly the amount of impactful players in the MLS draft that you'll find, like, in the first 10 picks of the NFL or even the NBA draft. The NBA draft is starting to become more of a developmental draft, it looks like. Um, but, yeah, I, I think your your assessment is fair. Uh, Drew, do you have any other questions about um, draft or uh, roster development? I do, but I don't know that he would be able to answer. I don't know that anyone would be able to answer at the moment. Um, right. Yeah, I, I just I think you know we're all just waiting for the next uh, steps to be made. And um, like I said, really excited. I, I guess my only question is, who do you like to be the designated player? Um, if anyone, do you think it will be a big name type player, or do you think they'll go the route of, of possibly um, a lesser known, um, maybe Mexican player? I think they'll try to get a big name. I think that the date everyone needs to circle on their calendars, and I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to look it up, is when the Bozeman list comes out for players for the summer who are out of contract in Europe mm-hmm. and can be signed as a free agent. Um, I think that might be the list from which Atlanta United gets its first designated player. That's just a guess on my part. That's based upon nothing that they've told me. It's just if I were the GM, that's probably the list I would go over because it's a cheaper route to get a player than trying to work out a transfer agreement with the club that they're contracted with. Um, I've been asked this before, and I think that, in theory, everyone wants a a solid Mexican or a Mexican-American player. Uh, there are very few teams that are able to find those guys and sign them. Um, so it's a good wish, but I don't know if it's a practical wish for fans of Atlanta United. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to bring in a veteran U.S. guy, uh, maybe from Europe, and bring him over here, or one who's already in Major League Soccer, maybe even an Atlanta guy like Sean Johnson in goal, possibly. Um, he's been called – he's in the national team camp right now. Uh, he hasn't made a lot of appearances for the uh, – men's national team in, in uh, meaningful games because the U.S. is kind of deep at goalie. It's hard to crack yes. that rotation. Um, it could be a guy that Eels is familiar with from his time at Tottenham or at West Bromwich who maybe not be with that club anymore. Uh, someone like a Eunice Kabul who's uh, with Sunderland. He might be injured now, but he's a fairly solid central defender and, and a physical guy who would probably hang up well in Major League Soccer. Um, something like that is what I think might happen. Yep, it all remains to be seen, but uh, every day we we get a little bit closer, we get a little bit more information, and, uh, you know, most of it is all good news, but the only real um, piece of bad news so far is that the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where the um, Atlanta United and, of course, the Atlanta Falcons will be playing, has been pushed back uh, for three months, and, you know, I can't really say that anyone's too surprised. 
And there's not many construction jobs that actually do finish on time, especially with all of the um, elements that Atlanta or that the Falcons group, the ownership group, is trying to put into the stadium, particularly in terms of sustainability uh, and that kind of thing. But um, what it does mean is that the team potentially will have to play on the road for the first three months. And that's not uh, totally out of the question because I think Toronto has to do that as well while their stadium was being developed. So I'm wondering if um, there's been any chatter about whether Atlanta would, would, would have to uh, endure that three-month stretch or whether um, they might try and work out some sort of uh, maybe lease or temporary agreement because, you know, there's a few options around um, Atlanta that, that could possibly be used on a temporary basis. Well, I wrote about this uh, in the AJC Soccer Insider. You can see on AJC.com, or if you follow me on Twitter, there's a link to it there at Doug Robertson AJC. Um, it would be at least 13 games to open the season they would have to play on the road, um, which has been done many, many times in Major League Soccer. None of the recent expansion clubs who have had to do that made the playoffs in their first year. I think making the playoffs in the first year for Atlanta United is a bit of a wish anyway. Um, as far as trying to find a temporary place in Atlanta, it would have to satisfy three criteria. It would have to have a field that can handle 70 by 110 yards wide. It would have to be able to hold at least the 30,000 season ticket holders that Atlanta United says they have the pledges for. And I think it would have to be something that is at least revenue neutral for Atlanta United where they can get some money back uh, to offset the terms of the lease. So when you factor in those three components, there's not too many places that they can turn to. Um, maybe Sanford Stadium, if they wanted to tear out the hedges, could fit the field in, like they did during the Olympics uh, in 96. I don't know if they want to do that. I'm trying to find out if uh, they reached out to Georgia. Georgia Tech says they would be happy with trying to host Atlanta United, but I don't think their field is wide enough. It looks like it can't get any wider than about 65 yards, and the minimum is 70. And that's just for the field not right. counting the sidelines and the people who are on the sidelines and all that other stuff. So, you know, Silverbacks Park isn't big enough. Kennesaw State's fifth third bank stadium isn't big enough to handle 30,000 people. So, you know, the Georgia Dome seems the most likely place, except uh, we were told that it's still supposed to be scheduled to be demolished in the spring. So that uh -huh. kind of limits that unless they were to play a few games there and then shorten the road trip and then the Georgia Dome gets demolished, and then they move into Mercedes-Benz Stadium. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like there's a lot of options, but I think, uh, you know, you may be right about the 13-game road trip. It seems uh, easier logistically somehow um, <laughs> than trying to negotiate all of these uh, terms. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. It, it, you know, I, I could also see them, uh, you know, preserving the Georgia Dome for a few more weeks, although – I also see the advantage in really having a true opening where the first game is at the new stadium and you have all of that excitement, um, you know, generating just very uh, positive uh, environment. So uh, it'll be tough for the uh, ownership um, to break that one down. The, um, the three-month delay, has there, I mean, ha were there reasons, uh, were there any specific reasons provided for the delay? And uh, are there any anticipations of any other delay? Uh, yeah, Tim Tucker wrote about that when he broke the news about the stadium delay. 
It has to do with the support structures for the video board and the roof, uh, ah. apparently. The the, uh, the retractable roof, or I don't know if retractable is the right word, but that's the easiest term. Uh, the construction of those two things, uh, that's what the delays are related to. Okay, cool. Um, well, just uh, one final question. We do have, or at least from my end, um, we know that Atlanta United will release season ticket prices uh, next month. Um, you mentioned the 30,000 uh, commitment. Um, do you have any, any sort of feeling uh, as to what those prices may be and you know how many people may renege on their pledge when they see them? I know they've been working on it for a while now. They've surveyed other MLS teams. They've surveyed other sports teams in the Southeast for their season ticket prices. Uh, they've said repeatedly, and Darren Hills repeated this to me in December, that they are going to try to get everyone who has pledged to purchase the season ticket into that stadium at some price point. It may not be the seat they want, but they will be in that stadium. Um, I am as curious as y'all are to see the prices. Uh, it's easy to say that if the prices are not as expensive as people think, that that season ticket pledge number is going to go way up. And if it's slightly above what people think, it's going to drop just by a little bit. There's not a lot of um, uh, similarities between the season ticket base for Atlanta United and for the Falcons. I think it's only like a 4% or 5% crossover between those two teams. So even if the prices are a little more expensive than people expect, I'm not sure it's going to affect that number a great deal. Cool. Yeah, that, uh, that was that. That's kind of my question. I, as I was wondering, uh, how many tickets has, or how many deposits does Atlanta United say that they have thus far? Well, there's a difference between the deposits and the actual number of tickets because when you become a Founders Club member, which is 50 bucks, you can then say, I'm going to purchase up to, I think it's eight season tickets, oh, okay. I think. Um, so that number, uh, you know, might be skewed a little bit. Sure. Might be. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it might be. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, let's, what is the, do you know the capacity of, of what the Georgia Dome or uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I'm not sure exactly it's, this, what it's, uh, what, what it's going to be? It's in the 70,000. The lower bowl, I think, is seating 30,000, and the upper bowl will seat 40,000. And if your follow-up question is what happens if they get 31,000 season ticket holders, Arthur Blank has said they will open up that upper upper bowl uh, whenever they need to for even just a few fans that they can be there for the game. Well, that's what I was wondering. Maybe for the bigger uh, occasions, if, if they will actually open up the you know, that bowl with, I don't know, the Galaxy or whomever come in or maybe you can go ahead. I, I mean, I think, I think the first couple of home games, whenever they do open up, they'll be sold out. Uh, yeah. You know, Orlando sold out its first few 60-something thousand. And, you know, the team owners are competitive or they wouldn't be in sports. And I would think that Atlanta United is going to do everything possible to sell out Mercedes-Benz Stadium for at least the first few games. Right. Yeah, okay. That's... Um... I think we can definitely look forward to that, and uh, from there it'll be up to the team's performance, um, which, as you mentioned, it's going to take a while to get to a level where people are really excited to see, uh, you know, the, the teams play. Maybe a couple of years of development and and that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, you know, every like I said before, every every day we learn a little bit more, and uh, the excitement keeps keeps building. So, 
Uh, it's a good time to be a soccer fan in Atlanta, and tomorrow it will be a better time to be a soccer fan in Atlanta. It's just, it's just great. Um, well, that's uh, that's about all we have uh, for today. Uh, really appreciate you all joining us uh, on the call. As Doug mentioned, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Doug Robertson AJC. You can find Drew Collins at Collins Drew, and you can find myself at James Carr 89. And of course, you can follow the show as a whole at Golden Goal ATL. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes, and uh, you can find all of our past episodes at goldengoldpod.tumblr.com. We've had some great additions, and happy to wrap up another great show. Doug, thanks again uh, for joining us. Hey, and, uh, hey James, uh, before we go, I have to I have to ask Doug something, being a, being a fellow Red here. Um, <laughs> I, I need a prediction, Doug, on, on everything from Capital One Cup, um, Euro Cup, uh, what else? we got FA and EPL. I want to know, where does Liverpool finish in each of these? I think they win the League Cup. I think they make the finals of the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And they'll lose. I don't know. I can't remember who's on the other side of the bracket. I think they'll make the semifinals of the Europa League. And if they get Teixeira, well, he's cup-tied, though, I think. I don't think he can play in the Europa League. Uh, I oh. think they'll get to the semifinals of the Europa League. Wow, that's pretty good. What do you? What, how about the EPL? How do you feel about that? I don't think they're going to get higher than six. Yeah, I don't um, it, it, Tottenham just won't lose. And uh, you know, after the thing about Tottenham is, after spending money and money and money, transfer window, transfer window, transfer window, they finally kind of stopped last summer and let the team settle. And now I think you're seeing the results of that chemistry that they were able to right. develop in those previous two years, and they were really, really playing well. That goal by Deli Ali last Saturday might be the goal of the year. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. Right. Yeah, okay. I think Liverpool may, may be one year away from reaching that, that sort of peak when uh, Klopp will have a, a full summer to um, you know, assess his options and, and sign his players, and you'll, you'll start to see a bit more of that, uh, that solidarity. But... Um, when things are in flux on a team, it's especially soccer, it just doesn't always end uh, well, as um, Louis Van Gogh can tell you. Anyway, okay. that, will, uh, <laughs> that will wrap it up for the Golden Goal Podcast. Thank everybody for uh, listening, and we will catch you next week.